I have never gotten into the pulpit, whatever we have is one, with nothing prepared. But I'm telling you, I did not crack a book this week. Um, and I don't like doing that because the, the reason I crack the books is because your words have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's what I want you all to get is scripture every Sunday morning. I want you to understand scripture better. I want you to internalize that scripture. It's why we, we read during the week uh, this, the, the, the chapter or maybe sometimes chapters around the passage that we're going to talk about in our connect groups and that I'm at least likely to preach on in the sermon. And then we discuss again in our D groups. And you've got the questions. We are wanting you to internalize that scripture so that when you've hidden it in your hearts, you might not sin against God. Well, I started looking at this passage the beginning of the week, and, well, things went a little, uh, a little haywire come Monday afternoon, and I'm, I'm actually going to talk about all that. I'm, I'm going to talk about our week. I, I guess if, if I had to describe this, we're going to make this a Scripture-informed testimony, because we're going to kind of go through the Scripture. I had an idea of where I wanted to go. As a matter of fact, on the, the first car ride this week to Houston... Um, I talked to Etta about some of the things that I was sort of how I was organizing the passage in my head because I start reading the passage that I'm going to preach the next Sunday on Sunday night. Usually that's about the last thing I do before I go to sleep. All right, what's next week's, next Sunday's passage? I read it a couple of times so that it just starts to tumble like those old uh, rock polishers uh, tumble around in my head and kind of figure out where that we're going with this. So, started looking at it, but there were some turns along the way. Uh, Monday was our, we were trying to think this morning, we were going through our travel log of, of what, of how we've been traveling. We you went, when he went in the hospital, her dad went to the hospital two weeks ago on a Tuesday and came back. You went in the morning, came back in the evening. Then we went Wednesday night and spent Thursday and came back Friday morning, Thursday night. Sometime Thursday. Then we... Uh, I, was that the Friday then that I went to Baton Rouge? When we came, oh, that's right. So we were here for the weekend. We went back again to Houston on Monday. Um, came back on Tuesday. I went to Baton Rouge on Tuesday. Came back Tuesday night. Wednesday night, I went to Houston. Spent Thursday in the hospital with uh, Debbie and uh, came back th late Thursday night. We were here for the weekend. We went back Monday. And that was this past Monday. And things were looking, looking positive. And so we were thinking about, I was thinking about what I was going to preach. And, and had this passage and Lazarus, and it's, a, it's a, really an easy passage to preach. It's a, it's a very good funeral passage. I didn't, I didn't preach the funeral. We had a, a couple of friends that did 
incredible jobs with the eulogy and the message, and, and I would have just messed it up if I'd tried anything, so um, they did incredible for us. So I began to think about Lazarus and, 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 and Martha and the things she said when Jesus got there and the concern and the, the delay and then what Jesus told her. And I had some ideas, and I may pull some of those ideas from, from our car conversation on Monday, but we got there around lunchtime at the hospital, and we uh, spent a little while there, and it was late lunch for us, uh, so we all went to lunch, um, crust pizza if you care. Which is funny, we have it here. But they hadn't been over there. They had a brand new one right next to the hospital. It was close, so we wanted to stay close to the hospital. And her dad was on dialysis. They were, they were running dialysis. Now, in the days leading up, he had seemed to be coming a little bit. Just Maybe it was just reflex, but he seemed to be responding more. You'd, you'd, you'd say his name loudly enough, especially if it was one of the kids... Um, or Debbie, his wife, or if I said the wrong political things to him really loudly just to see if I could get a reaction out of him. Actually, it kind of worked. We'd, he'd, he'd move a little bit. And so, okay, what, is, what does this mean? Monday afternoon, uh, during the dialysis, he, uh, his, his blood pressure bottomed out. He, he stopped breathing and his blood pressure bottomed out. His, his heart didn't stop, but his blood pressure got to, I think they said 40s over 20s, really low. And it was there for long enough, long enough. And then we were gone. We had gone to lunch and then come back to the hospital and they were still doing the dialysis. So we went home for a little while or went to their house for a little while just to wait. And we got a call that said, he had stopped breathing. They'd had to put him back on the vent, and uh, we needed to get to the hospital. So we went and just didn't know what it meant. We kind of got conflicting reports. One nurse said it's not good. One, it turns out they were right, but at the time we didn't know. So we, they had to do tests. They did a CT scan. Nothing, nothing looked different, but CTs are helpful in some things. In this particular case, it, it really wasn't. Okay, well, we've got to do an EEG and an MRI. Well, that was then scheduled for Tuesday morning, and the MRI scheduled for Tuesday evening. So we knew we weren't going to find out anything then. Kind of relate to Martha. Jesus... If you'd been there, right? I mean, that's it's, the, it's not a question, it's a statement, because <laughs> we know it's the truth. If, if he could have changed things if he wanted to. So, we relate to her. The man was sick. Chapter 11, verse 1 says, Friends of Jesus, good friends, talk to somebody this morning about 
the author of the Gospel of John. We, we don't know actually who wrote it. Uh, tradition says John. We think it was John. It's, there are similarities between the Gospel and the letters. So it's a good bet that John wrote it. That I, I believe John wrote it. Some people, good, scholarly, conservative, Christian people, believe Lazarus actually wrote the gospel that has John's name on it. That he was the beloved disciple. And if you read this story, you could see how, well, maybe so. Lazarus was loved by Jesus. He, 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 Jesus cries about it. And, and the people of Bethany stand around him and go, man, see how he loved him. Well, we know Jesus loved Bill. We know Bill loved Jesus. So we kind of understand Martha's question, statement. If you had only been here, if you had shown up sooner, shown up earlier. Now, in our case, Bill has been sick for a long time. Uh, he, he, he hadn't been in good health for, for a lot of years, had been in really poor health for the past couple. So when he went to the hospital now, I guess it was three weeks ago nearly, maybe a little more, we knew what the potential outcome could be. But we also knew Jesus could heal him. Could, could heal the diabetes that was the, the, the source of much of his issues, and, and, or many of his issues, and, and diabetes that he had had for 35 years or so. Etta was a, a child when it was diagnosed. So we knew all the answers. We know this chapter. We've heard the story of Lazarus our entire lives. It's, it's a favorite in children's Sunday school. It's a favorite in adult Sunday school. It's a favorite at funerals. So we knew all this. But you still wonder. You still want to say, Jesus, if you had only been here, if you hadn't taken three days, if you hadn't tarried in Jerusalem, when the message had gotten to, got to Jesus and they said, Lazarus, the, the one you love, is, is sick. And Jesus had said, oh, well, let's go now instead of, oh, okay. And goes back to what he's doing. You're wasting time. Sister sent a message to him. Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So, listen to that word. This sickness will not end in death. It's for the God's glory. He loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So, and what naturally should follow is he packed his bags and he went to Bethany. And instead it says, so when he heard that, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Jesus, that don't make sense to us. 
Not at all. Then after that, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. It wasn't safe for him to go to Judea. It wasn't safe for him to be in the area, not in Bethany, not anywhere around Jerusalem. Bethany was just outside of Jerusalem. So you could almost forgive him for not going at all. It's like, well, he can't. Well, but of course, we've, we've read the passages. We know ain't nobody going to do anything to him. Ain't nobody going to take him until he's ready to be taken. So we know that's really not a concern. The disciples are worried about it. Jesus isn't. So he tarries. He doesn't do the miracle that Martha wanted and expected and knew he could do. He's raised dead people before. This is the seventh of seven signs in the Gospel of John. This is the last one before we get to the passion and we get to the crucifixion and the resurrection and all that. They knew it, it, it could happen if he would just show up. Verse 11, he said this, and, and then, he, then he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. <laughs> then the disciples said, what doctors and nurses tell us all the time, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will get well. Right? You need to get some rest. Get some rest and then you'll feel better. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death. He thought that they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. By the time he makes the decision, Lazarus is gone. We're going to find out when he gets to Bethany that Lazarus has been dead for, for four days. So, I don't know, I, I haven't read it closely enough to know exactly, but maybe about six days passed, he heard about it. Two days pass, and he says he's dead. Now, maybe he died right around that time Jesus said something, and then... When he gets there, four days have passed. So he's been dead four days. We find that out here in just a little bit. So it seems like maybe nearly a week passed from the time he heard about Lazarus's illness to the time he finally showed up. He gets to Bethany and Lazarus is dead. In the tomb, four days. He could have done something. He healed so many people. He could have healed Lazarus. It's what Martha and Mary knew. Less than uh, many of the Jews had come, verse 19, had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Kind of a flashback here. Martha was the doer. Mary was the, the waiter. She waited. Martha's going to go meet him. 
you have a feeling she's got a bone to pick. Now, there's a huge statement of faith in the second sentence. But in the first sentence, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He was there. Not physically, not in the vicinity as far as she knew, but as the, third per, uh, the second person of the Trinity, the, the first person of the Trinity was always there. So Jesus was there. God was there. There the whole time. Jesus, if you had been here, my father-in-law, my wife's daddy, her mama's husband, my kid's granddad, wouldn't have died. But he was there. Let me tell you how he was there. We never knew what decision we were going to have to make along the way. But the doctors had been fairly clear that we were going to have to make a decision. My mother-in-law can't decide what to eat at a restaurant, okay? She looks at a menu for 10 minutes. Waiter or waitress comes to the table. We've all decided. We order. She still don't know. And then she just kind of gets something. That's the way she makes decisions. Endearing some of the time. She didn't need to have to make this decision. She certainly wasn't going to have to make those decisions alone. As an aside, I had a great example growing up of what it is to be a son-in-law. I learned it from my daddy. He took care of all four of his parents. And I've determined to follow in his footsteps. She was not going to have to make that decision alone. Her daughter wasn't going to make her do it. Bill's sister wasn't. Etta's brothers weren't. We were all there. Yet the decision we thought, some hard decisions we thought were going to have to be made. And as we prayed, as we wondered, as we calculated, as we second-guessed, Jesus was always there. He never left us. He gave us looks from Bill. Debbie got a smirk one day, a little upturned corner, when I made a particularly um, confrontational political statement where Bill hopefully could hear. I swear to you, he looked at me like he was about to argue. And had he been able to, he would have. Little hints, little, little glimmers, Little nuggets of, at the time, hope, 
but now we just know comfort and love. Little memories. Jesus was there. So when he had this, at the time, episode, uh, as all we knew to call it, during dialysis on Monday afternoon. And we get somewhat conflicting reports, but they're all kind of in the same direction Monday night, and then waiting Tuesday to hear the final report Tuesday night, about 9 o'clock, that when his blood pressure dropped, his, uh, there was not enough pressure to push his blood all the way into the arteries of his brain. That's medically what happened. And I asked for permission with the doctor. I said, Is this, can I say it like this? And he said, yeah, it's how I would describe it too. He basically had a stroke in every one of his arteries in his brain. Not just one or two, but all of them. I don't know when our souls leave our bodies. We had that conversation along the way in the hospital room. I don't know if it's when the heart stops. I don't know if it's when the brain stops. I, 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 I just don't. The Bible doesn't tell us. and it, so, so we don't know. Medicine, the medical community doesn't help us on that. They don't have a clue. They know when the heart stops, that's it. I think what I'm going with is I know Jesus was there through all of it because I believe on Monday afternoon Jesus was there to greet Bill. So that he went home. Jesus took him home. Now, they, they weren't supposed to restart his heart, and they didn't. His heart never stopped, but they did put him back on the breathing machine. They got his blood pressure back up. And for two days-ish, that's what, uh, a day and a half actually, I guess, that's, that's what kept him going. I don't think he was there. Bill wasn't. But Jesus was. And when Jesus took Bill home Monday afternoon, Jesus didn't leave. He was still there with us. Because a decision still had to be made. The doctors, the, the nurses, all of them told us they would do whatever we said. We learned Tuesday night, not only had he had this stroke in every artery in his brain, they, they did it, the EEG, and there, there was no brain activity at all. That's why I believe he wasn't there. But they would have continued to keep him on the ventilator, keep his blood pressure up as long as we wanted him to. 
but we still had a decision to make. But it wasn't really a decision at that point. Because Jesus was there. Jesus knew that none of us wanted to make that decision. But ultimately, as next of kin, the decision was Debbie's, my mother-in-law's. And none of us wanted her to have to make that decision. And because Jesus was there, he took that decision out of her hands. And so, Wednesday, mid-morning, they took the ventilator off and Bill's body peacefully stopped. Bill was already gone. Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. There's the bone to pick. I promise you, my mother-in-law, my wife, and probably some others picked some bones with the Lord in their prayers over the past couple of weeks. God, things could have gone so differently. Not just in the last two or three weeks, but two or three months, two or three years, two or three decades. If you had just done something differently, yet it was their prayer, it was Martha's statement, yet even now, now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And he says, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus had something else in mind. We know the end of the story. And, and actually, I was gonna, my, my sermon was going to be about primarily him being called out. Lazarus, come out. And, and, and the bindings and of, of, of the, the, the grave clothes still on him. So he was walking out like this, y'all. Had to have been a bit humorous. I mean, even the, the, the response, Lord, there's going to be a smell. Oh gosh, I had, I had my three points. The stench of sin, the, the stench of death, and the fragrance of the resurrection. I mean, I, I, I had those going, and I was ready. I was, the, 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 was going to compare the, the binding of those grave clothes to our resurrection from sin, from, from death to life. I'm not talking about after we die and go to heaven. I'm talking about when we accept Christ and we, we die to selves and we are raised in the newness of life, which is what baptism represents. How, just like Lazarus, we come out of the grave, but in a lot of ways we're still bound, we're, we're still sinners, we're still fallen creatures, we're saved sinners, we're saved fallen creatures, but we still are bound. I, mean, I, had all my, I had it all worked out in my head when we got to that part, but this morning I'm not going that far. I'm really making this sound like I planned all this, but don't be confused. I had no clue what I was going to say when I got up here. I 
Jesus had a plan for that day. But most importantly, Jesus has a plan for someday. Martha knew it. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She knew that. Jesus didn't correct her. As a matter of fact, he encouraged it. And here's where I'm going to stop. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe? Bill left us on Monday, as far as I'm concerned. His body died on Wednesday. And from dust we are made to dust we will return. Ain't going to be nothing left of any of us eventually. And yet Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. As a matter of fact, death is so insignificant to the Christian life that he goes on to say, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Well, Lord, Lazarus is in the tomb. We know death happens. Lord, we stood there as the line went flat for Bill. Death, we know death happens. That's it. Just that much time. I've, I've wondered, I've thought about... And here's my answer as I've thought about what those who have died before us experience when we get to heaven. Let's, let's get rid of some, uh, not myths, they're, they're not myths, they're just we, we, we take verses and we put them in the wrong place. There are no, at this moment, as far as we know, there are no streets of gold and, and pearly gates and all that. That's all descriptors of the new heaven and uh, the new earth. That's, that's the someday. We, Paul has seen what is there right now. Um, Jesus talks about the, not his friend Lazarus, but the beggar Lazarus dying and, and being at uh, Abraham's bosom is what he de describes it as, paradise of some kind. Um, but we don't know what we see now. Paul didn't tell us about it. He said, I saw things I, 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 can't, I can't explain to you. Lazarus didn't talk about it. He, for just a second, if we say Lazarus wrote the Gospel of John, he was the actual author. He didn't put anything about what he saw for those four days. So, so we don't know, and we don't need to know. But I wonder... I've wondered, and I think, I know the conclusion I come to is, and we've used these phrases, we, we, we think one day we're going to die and get to heaven, and, and our loved one is going to see us and say, what took you so long? See, I, I don't think that's what they're going to say. 
I think if they could measure time, which I, I don't think they'll be able to do, if they could measure time at all, it, for them, it's going to be like they stepped through eternity and we came right behind them. They're never going to miss us. And, it, and, and since time has no meaning in eternity, it's like they were never separated from us. We feel it. We know we're, we're bound in time. We know however many more years we will live, we'll live without Bill. But I don't think he's going to recognize those years. I think it's an instant in heaven before we get there too. Because... Jesus says, death is so insignificant to the Christian that even everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. It's like the people in heaven never died. I like that idea on a lot of levels. Some, some deaths are incredibly painful. Some deaths would be like Bill's, where I don't think he ever knew it. I don't think he felt a thing. It doesn't matter. It, it never happened when you're in heaven. Like it never even happened. That's somebody's commercial. Serve pro. That's what it is. Like it never even happened. Heaven is our serve pro. Cleans up the mess of whatever's left of death, like it never even happened. We, like Martha, are left to ask the questions and to wonder, but we're not left to ask the questions with no answers and to wonder with no hope. I know this, Martha says, but Jesus shoots back. I know you know, Martha. I know you know. I know you know what you've been taught. The resurrection in the last days. The Jews had a resurrection in the last days. I know you know, Martha. I know you know. But do you believe? Do you really believe it? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. You could be tempted, and, and I don't disagree with you. you. You could be tempted to tell Martha, to say to Martha, Now Martha, that's not what he asked. He asked if you believe that you will never die. If you do die, you're going to raise, rise again. But in reality, as far as death is concerned and its importance in your life, you really don't even ever die. Do you believe that? To which she should have said, yes, I believe that I will never die. Or, yes, I believe that though I die, I will live again. Or whatever. She didn't respond that way. She said, yes, I believe you're the Messiah, the Son of God. Who comes into the world. Why? Because she didn't know at this moment. That in just a few minutes. Lazarus was going to live again. 
At this moment, this is pure faith in what Jesus is going to do someday. And that is the exact same place we stand today. And likely every one of you have stood at some point in your lives knowing that this side of heaven, I'll never see this loved one again. And yes, I believe that if we believe, we will live forever. But the reason I believe that is because I believe in the one who came and said, I'm the Messiah, who said, I'm the Son of God. I believe in him. I don't have faith in resurrection. I have faith in Jesus. See, she answered the question right, even though we might say you didn't answer the question. Yes, she did. She gave the exact right answer. Do you believe that you will never die, Martha? I believe in Jesus. Jesus. And if you tell me I'll never die, I'll never die. And if you tell me I'll die and rise again, I'll die and rise again. And turns out if you turn around and tell Lazarus to come out of the tomb, he's going to come out of the tomb all wrapped up in his grave clothes. And I'm going to say, but he stinks, but he won't. Because I believe in the Messiah. We have three more parents. We're going to do something like this three more times. The Lord doesn't do something different along the way. Some of y'all do it too. Some of you already have. And each time we're going to ask, say, Jesus, if you'd been here, something different would have happened. And we're going to have to wrestle, and I pray, come out like Martha. When Jesus says, do you believe that if you believe, you will never die? We can respond, yes, I believe you're the Messiah, the Son of God sent to the world. Paul, and it's a, another wonderful funeral, funeral verse that, that I've used numerous times, and if I don't preach on it, I certainly quote it, about us not mourning as those with no hope. Talking to the pastor at First Baptist Kingwood, uh, Well, back up a little bit. Etta's family is extremely loud. Mine probably is too, but I just notice it more with hers. Very loud. And Friday night at the visitation, for those folks who couldn't make it to the funeral on Saturday, and by the way, for those of y'all who came to the funeral, man, you just you have no idea what that, what that did for us that you would make that two-and-a-half-hour trip for some, like four hours, they got caught in traffic, to, to be a part of, of that, it, that, that, will, that will never be forgotten. Sitting in the, the sanctuary at the church, 10, 12, 
of her family, brothers and cousins, and it was loud, just for that few. And then some littles running around like crazy. You know which ones I'm talking about. And a, and a couple others, one other. And the pastor at Kingwood came in and, and said, and we just said something about the noise, and his response was, oh, the noise is great. The laughter, the conversations, because you can tell about the hope of the family at the funeral based on the response of the family at the funeral. It's not exactly how he put it. I just made that up. That's what he said. Our family could talk and cut up and joke because of the hope we have. Even going back to the, the ICC room, after we'd taken him off the vent, the heart slowed down, and at first the nurse turned the monitor off, except not, not the noise. So we heard the alerts, but didn't really see why the alerts were going. We knew why the alerts were going, but we're like, this is, this is sort of disconcerting. So I, I went and got him. I was the spokesperson because I don't care. You know, I'll say whatever and, hey, we need something. I'll, I'll be the brave one to do it and just, you know. So I said, can you, we'd really like the monitor back on. We, we want to watch. We want to know what's going on here. <clears throat> and so for the last few minutes, we saw the monitor. And it, his heart even when his breathing had stopped, his, his heart kept going. And it really got to be funny. Um, he was, well, stubborn. He was a stubborn man. Like when he was alive, fully alive, he was a stubborn man. So as we stood there and we had watched the heart monitor and it, we'd see that little blip and then it would go for a number of seconds. Like, long enough we had thought, and we would say out loud, oh, that was probably the blip. We'd stare at it. Okay, that was probably blip. And we probably did that for five or ten minutes. And it just got giggly. Of course, he would do it this way. Of course, this would be how Bill would go, not just, all right, let's end it, but let me make you think I'm going to, and nope. And one of Etta's brothers didn't say out loud, I wish I'd known it because I'll say anything out loud. Um, one of Bill's famous family stay-ins sayings was, if you're waiting on me, you're killing time. Anytime it was time to go somewhere, is everybody ready? Bill, are you ready? If you're waiting on me, you're killing time. And here we were standing around him, waiting on him. And he was killing time. And it would have been great. But, I, but we laughed. 
Michael, you laughed as his heart stopped beating? Yeah, we all did. Because we mourn with hope. We can laugh at death. We can laugh in the midst of death. Because that quick we'll see him again. The question this morning for you is the same question that Jesus asked Martha. He made his statement on the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. The question for you this morning is, do you believe this? Not do you know. I've given you my scripture-informed testimony. You know about the story. You may be able to answer just like Martha did prior to that in responding to her brother with Jesus, uh, her brother will rise again. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. You may be able to state all the facts. I'm not asking you if you can state the facts. I'm asking you, as Jesus did, do you believe? I've told you before in our discovery class, when talking about salvation, we compare it, I compare it, and it's not from me, it's from John Metter, a pastor of First Baptist, Euless, Texas, different name now, Cross City Church, something like that. But anyway, in, in his gospel presentation, he describes salvation, and I've taken it and used it, as a parachute. You may know all the facts about a parachute and know how it works and know that you need a particular uh, uh, makeup of material and the, the, the ropes have to be a certain tensile strength and it has to be packed just right. And you may be able to explain to me the physics of, of the air pressure working against the fabric and, and pressure pushing down and the weight of the person and know all the, the facts about it so that when you go up and you get an airplane and for whatever reason you decide you want to jump out of that airplane even though it was going to land just fine, you didn't have to, but you decided you're going to because you paid somebody to let you do it, still sounds crazy. You can know all about that parachute and jump out of the airplane and you can recite all the facts about that parachute all the way down until you hit the ground and go splat if you never pull the cord. You knew about parachutes, but you didn't pull the cord. Pulling the cord is belief. I'm asking you this morning... Have you pulled the cord? Do you believe? I don't care what you know. I want to know what you believe. You may have been in church. You may know all this stuff. But do you believe it? There is a difference. Can you respond with Martha to do you believe that you will never die with I believe you're the son of God, the Messiah, the son of God sent to earth. Do you believe that as a sinner, your destination, your, your wages of that sin is death, separation from God? You will die. Somebody is going to stand at your hospital bed or at your memorial service and talk about you who used to be here. You are going to die. 
do you believe that when that happens, your loved ones, those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, can mourn your passing with hope, knowing that they will see you again? Or do you merely have head knowledge that you have never acted upon in faith, believing that Jesus is who he says he is, the gift of God, the eternal life that is offered to, to cover, to remove the sin and the wages of sin. He actually took them. He actually paid those. Christ Jesus our Lord, the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. If you will believe, do you believe? If you will, the Messiah, the Son of God, will be the one who comes into your heart and changes your world. So that when we, you stand around your loved one's deathbed, you can giggle and cry and laugh and cry and have hope so you can laugh some more you're going to see that loved one someday. God, thank you for that hope. The grave is not the end. Heart machines and tombs aren't determiners of whether we are alive or dead. Because in Christ, we never die. We only get more alive. Bill is more alive than he has ever been. As Timbo described him, he's worshiping better than he ever has. With people he'd never worshiped with before. Some that he has. Thank you for that promise that our tomb is empty, our grave is empty, our body may go there or we may be cremated and our ashes go somewhere or whatever, may sit on somebody's mantle for a while. All that already is empty and done and over with because in Christ we live and we will live eternally. God, we thank you that in your sovereignty, you gave us this passage this week as prescribed by Lifeway three years ago for this week of Bill's homegoing. If for nobody else in this room but me and Etta, but I think it was for a lot more people than that. God, I believe. But I'm going to say, just like the blind man, help my unbelief. Because there are times when I struggle. And Lord, this morning I pray for those who have answered that question, do you believe? No, I never have. 
I have had knowledge, but I've never believed. I pray this morning they would believe. And they would follow. Lord, thank you for your son and your presence. Jesus, we know you are here. Thank you for being here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you would like to believe, if you'd like to know what it means to believe, I'll be down here. Chelsea will be over here to my left. We've got a couple of deacons in the back. Justin is in the back. If you'd like to talk to somebody, pray with somebody, now's your chance. Maybe you just want to come up here and pray. Maybe you're just struggling with the question. Maybe you've had your own struggles with someone passing. And you just want to come talk to the Lord about it. Go for it. We're going to sing a song that I think is a wonderful ending. Graves into gardens. Because graves are pointless for Christians. At, at, at best... It's a nice green spot in, I mean, at worst, it's a nice green spot in a town. At best, it's a monument to the fact that our loved one who died in Christ isn't there. That grave is empty. Body parts may be there, but our loved one who died in Jesus isn't. I hope this wasn't a downer. I hope this was an upper. For all of us who believe. And I hope it was a downer if you don't. So that you come to Jesus and believe this morning. Let's stand. Let's worship.